you. Hello, Pokemon fans. Welcome out to Peekappy Podcast, your Pokemon anime podcast going through every single episode of the Pokemon series and trying to have an existential crisis. Some episodes deliver that up on a silver platter. And one such episode is this one, Advanced Generation number 76, Me, Myself, and Time. Believe it or not, no legendaries were involved in the making of this episode. So to start out the episode, the weather is foggy, and the kids are traveling over a mountain in the fog. A little risky in the safety department, but, you know, they've risked worse. Ash falls a bit behind the others in the uh, less visible conditions, and I'm reminded of a similar situation in Johto where he pulled a prank on Brock and Misty wearing a skull mask and scaring them out of their minds. Or maybe it was Indigo. Either way, original series Ash was a little stinker. Advanced Generation Ash is usually less of a stinker, um, but he's also just plain lost in the fog, so no pranks today, although it would be nice to know, like, whether or not he kept that skull mask. Who knows, it might be super useful in Alola. But Team Rocket is lost, too, today. It seems they're closer to Ash than Brock and May are, but, uh... They can hear the twerp in the distance, uh, but the two groups don't find each other. Instead, Ash and Pikachu go sliding down the cliffside in the poor visibility. But they're okay, mostly. <laughs> I mean, after a rather painful landing, Ash and Pikachu get up to find a weird cloaked lady singing a mysterious and unsettling song about not making it back and just generally being as creepy about it as she possibly can. Like, what is happening? She chants, she sings a song about how Baltoy's path waits for you, though you may be afraid. When Ash gets closer, he doesn't see anything. Like, he swears he, he thought he saw a lady. He definitely heard a lady, but now she's gone. Uh, but then as he runs off, uh, no, Cloaked Lady is still there, being creepy in the mists. Like, <laughs> Wow. Well, Brock and May and Max make it clear of the fog, and they're super relieved until they realize Ash and Pikachu didn't make it out with them. Nah, Ash and Pikachu are one step away from plunging to their deaths in the mist. But then, appearing out of the fog, is a Pokémon Ash has never seen before. Baltoy. It looks like a little clay top. It's probably a lot of fun around Hanukkah. This Baltoy is just spinning along, also towards the edge of the cliff, and doesn't seem to hear Ash and Pikachu calling out warnings. Ash asks Pikachu to use an electric attack. I, I fought to get Baltoy's attention, but Pikachu ends up hitting the thing directly. <laughs> it's okay, Pikachu. Um, it does nothing, though, thank goodness. Baltoy's a ground type, so it keeps spinning on its merry way. Or maybe not, thank goodness. Like, it didn't get distracted at all. So Pikachu uses Quick Attack to trip Baltoy, which does work, and saves Baltoy from a long fall in certain death. And of course, that's when Baltoy's trainer shows up, like, Why are you attacking my Pokémon? Poor Ash, why do we even try to help people anymore? Baltoy's trainer is a double ponytailed girl named Callista. She soon realizes the whole situation, and she and Ash are getting along now. Callista and Baltoy are out here searching for ancient artifacts, but became lost in the fog. She's hoping Baltoy can help find a way out, since it's part psychic type. Pikachu is currently more impressed by its excellent sense of balance. 
I bet it's great at Fruit Ninja. Callista is especially interested in finding some ruins that detail an ancient civilization. She thinks it holds some of the most valuable secrets of the universe. One of the greatest treasures of the universe, and finding them is her dream. But her dream of being an archaeologist and discovering all these secrets is at direct odds with her parents' wishes. They're both doctors, they want her to be a doctor too. Enough so that they confiscated all of her discoveries and samples. Oh, this is not supportive parenting. Luckily, Callista still had one archaeology book left to stoke the fires of her dream. And one day, a strange woman calls Callista's house. A woman she has never met. Who says she needs to come to the Kirikiri Mountains immediately with her ball toy, to find the things in her book. Don't tell your parents! Come right now and help me! Nothing creepy about that, no sir. So Callista did that. Ash is like, I can understand. It's like, can you, Ash? <laughs> can you really? I have trouble believing your mom was anything but supportive for all your dreams. And yeah, we don't know about your dad, but seeing as he was also a Pokemon trainer and your mom went on about him and your grandpa being proud of you, I can't imagine you've ever had your parents opposed to your dream. It's like, maybe in an alternate universe there is an Ash who might have some baggage about living up to his father, but he, honestly, we're not sure either what that situation is. So what exactly are you relating to? Oh, wait, but Ash has canonically gotten into an unmarked van with two strangers just because they told him it had something to do with Pokemon. And that's just the tip of the iceberg on dumb stuff Ash has done in the name of his dream. So that must be the part he's relating to. Yes, strange adult I've never met tells me to come out into the woods alone and keep it a secret from my parents. I can totally relate to that. Like, yeah, Ash has absolutely done this. Anyway, uh, Callista has a clue to what she's looking for out here in the woods, a song in this book of hers referring to Baltoy's path, and she starts to sing it, and Ash joins in, he's heard it before. And just props to Veronica Taylor, she takes that tune all the way down to the edge of her range, like, like, gosh, I hope she did an extensive cool down and drank like a liter of water, holy heck. I haven't heard the Japanese episode of this one, but given that Rika frequently sings as Ash, I, I would hope this was right up her alley. Either way, still impressive. Ash tells Callista about the weird lady sitting by a tree he met and how she was just singing to herself this same song and vanishing into the mists like the opening of a horror movie. He offers to take Callista to the tree where he saw her. Um, it's not far. And Callista agrees. And since I'm always ragging on Pikachu for this, I suppose it's only fair to point out this is one time where it's Ash not considering where his friends are or that they might be worried about him at all. It's only fair to point that out. The only excuse I can give him is that Callista and Baltoy might be his only way of finding his friends or getting back out of the mountains safely, and she's not leaving without her discovery. Like, lacking any other direction, he might as well go along with her. And, you know, to defend Ash, since I am an Ash apologist a lot, it's one thing for Ash and Pikachu to be separated from the group. It's another thing entirely for Ash and Pikachu to be separated from each other. Anyway, Team Rocket, uh, meanwhile, they 
have found some ruins, and they hear that lady singing, and know Ash is around here somewhere. They saw Pikachu's thunderbolt flashing, so they decide there must be ancient ruins and treasure here. So they'll let the others do all the work of finding it, and then swoop in and take it. So they approach the mysterious robed lady out singing by the tree, and they demand she tell them where the treasure is. And she says, my song isn't for you. Which, like, why are you weird? Well, Team Rocket can't handle someone being more dramatic than they are, so they decide to sing their way through the motto. The lady listens through to the end and is like, what is it you want from me? Which almost launches a second motto, like, chill, Jesse. But Team Rocket sends out uh, Cacnea and Seviper to force the info they want out of her. And the lady defends herself with Zatu. Which should be Team Rocket's cue to abort. Zatu is a psychic type and a bird, while their Pokemon are poison and grass. But they carry on. Ash and Callista hear the commotion and run up just in time to see Team Rocket get humiliated. Ash and Callista decide to jump on the dog pile here just because, I mean, it's Team Rocket. We don't need to understand the situation to assume the worst. Between Pikachu, Zatu, and Baltoy, Team Rocket is sent blasting off. And Callista can ask this robed lady to tell her the meaning of the song she sings. And the lady's like, uh, it's just a song. No special meaning. But you just told Team Rocket. Why are you weird? Callista insists that the reference to Baltoy's path could lead to a great discovery. The lady agrees. So it's not just a song, is it? And asks Ash and Callista to follow her. She walks through the woods, still singing like a weirdo, this woman. And she stops, like inside a little hollowed out tree, and suddenly the ground opens up beneath everybody, and they all go plummeting down a giant tube slide into an underground room. Like, what the actual? <laughs> it's a long drop, but at least they land in something soft. Looks like a pile of grass. Anyway, here's those ruins Callista wanted, complete with hieroglyphs. They depict a time when humans coexisted with Baltoy, creating an advanced civilization. An advanced generation, one might say. Ash asks about the most valuable treasure in the universe that Callista's looking for, and the robed woman directs their attention to a pile of rocks. Underneath that rubble, she says, lies that civilization's greatest invention. Unfortunately, an earthquake covered it in rocks, and her ball toy is also buried under that rubble. Seems slightly more important. There's a Pokémon trapped? Ash immediately runs over and tries to move rocks, but this is beyond his little ten-year-old strength level. With some prompting from the woman, Callista realizes her ball toy could move the rocks, so she tells Ash to get out of the way. Baltoy uses confusion to move the rocks and crush them into harmless pebbles, while Zatu uses reflect to keep them all safe from any debris. What's revealed underneath is a poor, tired, injured little ball toy, and the woman rushes forward to cradle it in her arms. Once she's sure Baltoy is, like, alive, she recalls it into the Pokeball to rest, relieved. Ash and Callista are amazed and ask questions now about this platform that's revealed from underneath the rubble. Apparently this is the great invention that harnesses the great treasure of the universe. 
Callista thought no one's ever discovered it, though. That's what her book says, anyway. And the lady reveals that she has the same book. That's how she knew it was here. It's what inspired her to come looking for this place. And as she talks, she also reveals that she has the same backstory as Callista, unsupportive parents who tried to make her give up her dream of archaeology. She tells Callista, you only have one life to live, and she spent most of hers trying to make her parents believe they were wrong and failing. She's barely scratched the surface of this civilization. Which, I think, fuels my thinking that humans don't age in this universe so much as evolve. Because she doesn't look to be more than middle-aged at best, but she's talking like she's lived a hundred years and her natural life could be over at any moment. <laughs> like It's like, remember Puka the Pikachu? Like, clearly elderly, but choosing not to evolve? She just hit her adult 40s range and decided, this is my final form. I'm gonna live the rest of my life like this. And, like, she still might be feeling old age in the sense that lives are finite and not evolving doesn't mean you get to live forever, but, like, I don't know. Like, she seems to be talking and acting like she's a whole lot older than she is. <laughs> so it's either humans evolve or she's me in that I hit, like, 27 and was suddenly like, I'm old now, life is over, time to embrace cardigans and go into bed at 7 p.m. And to be fair, my back definitely decided we were done despite decades of life left to be lived. But while we contemplate a fully lived life, Ash and Callista notice that this inspirational book the two women share only came out a few months ago. But the older lady's book, she's had for years. How is that possible? Time travel! Poor Ash, there's not even a Celebi around. I can take a guess what the greatest treasure of the universe is, but we can confirm it if Callista's ball toy uses rapid spin in the middle of the dais. But you know, first we have to deal with Team Rocket's second wind. They've procured a drilling machine. Their mech comes crashing through the wall. They're here for the treasure, not even knowing what it is. And the Pokemon too, of course. Their dig -a mech has grabby arms and a saw, good grief. They grab Callista's ball toy first. I'm very concerned. Which is bad enough, like, it's pointed out also that Team Rocket's rampant destruction could also destroy this platform and the technology for good. But the mech is just a machine, made of steel. Ash and Pikachu can break it, even if Zatu can't. Team Rocket really should have expected this. So... Ash and Pikachu bust up the grabby arm and free Baltoy, and then Baltoy totals the mech with rapid spin. Well done, tiny dynamo. Zatu's shadow ball sends Team Rocket blasting off through the thick wall of the mountain. Like, how is Team Rocket even alive through that one? <laughs> that done, Baltoy can do rapid spin, and we can see what all the fuss is about. So it does, everyone's so excited to see the treasure! But then the dais starts to glow. A light fills the area, a pillar of light shines up, and Ash and Callista are suddenly not so enthused. This is a little frightening. We are messing with forces we don't understand. <laughs> and the mysterious woman, well, she walks into the light, into the middle of the platform. Her cloak flies back and reveals long hair the same color as Callista's. And she says, I can tell you now, I'm Callista, I'm you from the future. 
And I, I have to ask, why couldn't you tell her before? Like, again, why do you have to do everything in the weirdest way possible, Callista? Like, I kind of love that you're such a screwball in the future, just chanting and <laughs> whatever. The greatest treasure of the universe is time. This is what the Baltoy civilization harnessed. Rather surprising that they are now lost to time. There's a whole story there. But that's not for this episode. So Callista Prime tells us that her time goes short. She's only discovered a fraction of the Baltoy civilization's mysteries. And she's decided that the greatest treasure of the universe is time. She's come back to the past solely to change baby Callista's future. To give her more time. Presumably, her ball toy got injured in the earthquake, so she wasn't lying when she said she needed Callista's help. She needed another ball toy to get back home, but, like, she was here just to convince Callista Jr. to follow her dream of archaeology sooner, spend more time exploring these mysteries. Change that future. Baby Callista wishes that Callista Prime could stay and teach her all she's learned, but we've created enough paradoxes already, so Callista Prime can't stay. But she says not to worry. Callista showed great courage in answering the phone call to adventure, and zero self-preservation, and that courage is what will change the future. The two women sing the ball toy song, which apparently is not just a song, there is some meaning here! And it kind of gives thought on what the ball toy civilization might have used their time machine for, like... Was it more a tool for self-enlightenment, like if I'd have known what I'd have known then, rather than, say, the greedy things we often use time machines for in other stories? Like, I don't know, I think I want to know more about the Baltoy civilization. Ash is third-wheeling this whole thing. He's, he's kind of speechless, but it doesn't matter because no one's paying him a lick of attention. Callista Prime goes home. Uh, Baltoy needs a big ol' rest, so... And Callista Little has a lot to think about. She decides to work for her archaeology dream no matter what the obstacles, no matter what her parents say, knowing at least future her will think it was worth the effort. Ash says he learned a lot too. And yeah, that was an experience. I don't think Ash would tell himself any differently if he went back in time. Like, he already has kind of like seized every moment and carpet every diem and, like, lived life to the fullest, he tends not to hesitate. And, like, could you imagine Ash going back in time to six-year-old Ash and be like, yo, there's a Pichu around Route 1 living with the Kangaskhan. I want you to run away from home, find him, and get started on your Pokemon journey now. Why waste any more years? Here's the location for a bunch of other Pokemon. Don't forget to circle back a few years later for Charmander. Also, check in with Go and Serena. They're at the corral with Professor Oak, and they're going to be great friends someday. Just don't talk to Gary until it's at least 2004. <laughs> Can you imagine? And, and honestly, I bet that fic exists, and I bet it's great. Anyway, after Callista leaves, Ash reunites with Brock, May, and Max. And he doesn't have time for downtime. Like, time is valuable, not a wasted second. Let's get on the road. Who even needs food? He's reinvigorated and goes running off toward his dreams. For this episode, we got to think about a lot of deep thoughts and a lot of confusing time travel logic. It's honestly not the worst time travel logic we've had on this show, or just, you know, in fiction in general. 
it makes me think about what I would do differently. And like, yeah, I have a lot of advice I'd give my younger self, but like not knowing how time travel really works, I don't know if I'd want to go back and change the future. Like if I really thought about it, I don't know if I could guarantee if the changes I made would give me the that positive result but still keep all the relationships and things that came about because of my first decisions or like if I could commit to just living my life over again and creating entirely new experiences and relationships and just letting the good things I have now go as much as I definitely do things differently is my current life flaws and all really so awful Like, whatever I wish I'd done differently or would change, like, I still do have joy in the now. And like Callista Prime, I feel the weight of, quote, wasted years, but I'm not actually that old. And I I still have a lot more time to experience and change. And then there's the fact that if I change the future, for me, it changes for all the other people around me too. And I've read Flashpoint. I refuse to be the Barry Allen in this scenario, just screwing up everyone else's life. I don't know what moving my life around is going to do for or against someone else. And that's assuming that Callista Prime can even experience the changed future. Like, it's not her who's going to be reliving life. It's baby Callista going forward and making changes. So it could be that Callista Prime suddenly ceases to exist and all her memories and all her knowledge cease to exist. Or it could be she goes back to her time and her timeline is exactly the same. And if that's the case, if she knows that, then this becomes less of a selfish act, but a selfless one. Like she's not going to be affected at all, but she's giving baby Callista the chance to make a different choice and live a hopefully happier life, a different life. And maybe that gives Callista Prime some joy. Maybe it allows her to fully appreciate her present, knowing that there is a Callista out there who will find all the secrets of the ball toy and experience all the things she didn't. So now Callista Prime can focus on the unique things that she is experiencing. I don't know. I'm interested to see how little Callista is going to break the news to her parents. Like, they were already a bit controlling and not on board with this. But I suppose if they don't allow her to pursue archaeology like she is 10, all she has to do is leave home. And she seems to have the courage now to do that. Anyway, some interesting thoughts. How do you guys think time travel works? Anyway, feel free to send me your thoughts on time travel and the Pokemon involved or the machines involved. Tell me how you think this ball toy civilization used their time machine and if they had a time machine, how they're somehow not still around. You think they could have fixed whatever sent them under. You can comment on this episode at peakappypodcast.blogspot.com or at peakappypodcast on Twitter Elon Musk can call it X if he wants, but I'm prepared to wait this out until he gets bored and goes away. And you can also comment at peakappypodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing your time travel theories and how you think this time travel uh, meshes or doesn't mesh with all the other time travel we've seen in the series. But until next time, this has been Peak Happy Podcast. Best wishes and gotta catch them all. Mm-hmm.